Welcome to Church's Changing Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Estock, and today I have the pleasure to speak with Cindy Thompson. She's the Executive Director of Boundless Impact. This is a nonprofit that was founded in 2012, and it first started out as a consortium of K-12 school districts in North Carolina, and its purpose was to strengthen international education. And then, somehow, it expanded its mission to what it is today. And let me just tell you what that mission is. It's to drive inclusive leadership and innovation initiatives across commerce, education, civic, and faith networks in order to unleash prosperity for all communities. Hold on to your seats, folks, because you are gonna wanna listen and take notes on this interview. Welcome, Cindy. So glad you could join us today. Thank you so much, Beth. It's such a pleasure to be with you. I really want to focus on the Imagine Hub concept. And so can you tell us a little bit about this initiative called Imagine Hub? Yes, I would love to. Imagine Hub is a learning network of missional innovation centers, primarily in Western North Carolina and in Florida in partnership with those conferences of the United Methodist Church. And in Imagine Hub, we provide resources, training, and support for faith communities that desire to reimagine and redeploy their space and the other assets that they have at their church as a means for improving economic justice in their community. So how long has Imagine Hub been a part of Boundless Impact? It's a great story, actually, Beth. So back in 2015, Boundless Impact had created a program in partnership with the Western North Carolina Conference called Innovate UMC. And the purpose of Innovate UMC was to offer training around missional innovation and a design thinking process through a spiritual lens. Wow. And so we had about six different cohorts go through the Innovate UMC training program. And then we had participants that started asking us, what if this training and resources were embedded into our church spaces versus just a few people attending a training workshop and trying to take it back to their congregation and implement it? And so Imagine Hub was launched based on this need in early 2020, right before COVID-19 hit. (laughs) And so while originally Imagine Hub was designed with a very space-centric kind of focus, we quickly had to pivot and we began offering virtual training and conferences during a time when faith communities were really struggling to stay connected And we felt like we were providing a great opportunity and resource for them. So what kind of training does Imagine Hub do? We work with faith communities to help them better understand who is around their church. In many of our faith communities, the folks who are still members of the church sometimes are driving, you know, between 15 and 30 minutes, Mm -hmm. but the neighborhood surrounding their church has changed drastically in the demographics of the church. So we want to spend time understanding who are the people around our church, what are the gifts and assets of the church, 
What is that need that the neighborhood has, that the church is really called during this season and passionate about helping to solve? And we always want to make sure that we're keeping that focused around economic equity and economic justice. And so a lot of our faith communities are focused on entrepreneurial kinds of initiatives, and we help them figure out how do you set up a co-working space? How do you set up a neighborhood market? Some of our churches have a maker space. And so lots of different opportunities that the churches can offer up their assets for entrepreneurial kind of activity. Now, Luke Edwards was the person who connected me to you. And Luke does a lot with fresh expressions in your area. So how is it that you guys work together? What is, you know, how how does the best of, of both kind of come together? Well, first of all, Luke Edwards is a rock star in our Western North Carolina (laughs) conference, and he's someone that I have known since 2014. So I have had the pleasure of following Luke's, I want to say career, but it's probably, I should probably say ministry journey, right, (laughs) into the work that he's doing in our conference now around Fresh Expressions. And so Luke has been doing this work around Fresh Expressions in our conference for probably about five years We have, I think, over 250 examples of fresh expressions in our conference, and it's growing. And so some of our churches that we work with in Imagine Hub have fresh expressions, ministries that they're doing, but we're also very interested. So our ministries complement each other very well, because while fresh expressions is about getting out into third spaces where people meet, we're about how do we use this space in churches That is so underutilized Monday through Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., whether that be fellowship centers, parking lots, classroom spaces, lawns. There's lots and lots of things that folks can use that our churches have that are being underutilized. And so our ministries complement each other very well because we're interested in bringing folks who wouldn't normally come into the church for a worship service or program that the church has, but through their connections with Imagine Hub, where it's about equipping them as entrepreneurs, helping to nurture them in their journey of starting and growing their business, connecting with other folks in the community who are interested in lifting up entrepreneurs, particularly those who don't have access otherwise. So the two, the two Imagine Hub and Fresh Expressions are really nice complements of one another. But the the DNA of the church is that they have the desire to reach out into their community and welcome and be in ministry with people who are not already in the walls as members of their church. Okay, so this is really helpful. Tell us about how you would go about working with a local church. And let's just say that they are, you know, a traditional church and start helping them discover their neighborhood and what a new kind of ministry would look like for them. Sure. So churches find out about Imagine Hub through several different ways. We have a website and there's an open application for any faith community who is interested in learning more and becoming part of the Imagine Hub network. We have Lots of wonderful word of mouth that our current Imagine Hub site leaders are always networking and talking with other folks and sharing the story of Imagine Hub and and how it has helped their church. And then we also rely heavily on our partnership 
with the United Methodist Church conferences. So the district superintendents who know about what we're doing and maybe lift up either a clergy person or a congregation who they feel like might be a good fit for what we're trying to do with Imagine Hub. So once we know that that someone is interested, we hold information sessions, usually four to six times a year, and do those virtually. And then once we have a, a, a group of folks that can form a cohort, and that cohort is usually somewhere between three and six churches. And we like to do this as part of a cohort because a lot of the learning that churches get in going through our onboarding process is being in each other's spaces and learning from one another as we're going through this process together, okay? Mm. So the Mm -hmm. cohort experience, and sometimes the cohort may be geographic, sometimes it may be around a common interest, and sometimes, like in the Western North Carolina, there is a group of first churches in their community who are interested in being a part of Imagine Hub as, as the role of a first church that's very center in the downtown area of their community. So once we have this cohort together, we start our onboarding process, which we call Imagine Hub 101, and we walk the churches through a series of four onboarding sessions, training sessions, and we like to do one of those sessions in each of the church locations so that folks can get out from their own walls and kind of see a different faith community and learn about a different context. And we find that innovation is greatly enhanced when you kind of get into a new space that you're not familiar with. And these four sessions that we do are based on our design thinking process that we've developed for Imagine Hub called the four D's. Okay. And so the four D's, the sessions are discern, dream, design, and do. And so this training process takes the churches through that process so that when they get to the end of the of the do, they have designed a ministry experiment, and I can talk more about experiments, that they are ready to implement at the end of the, of the session. And then once they've onboarded and they're implementing their ministry experiment, we provide conferences and convenings and workshops and speakers and all kinds of things to continue supporting that congregation on their journey of missional innovation, because it's not easy work. You know, this is challenging folks to really center the community, center their neighbors to utilize their assets, not for the current membership, but for the people who are outside the church walls. So the continued support and networking part aspect of Imagine Hub has been a huge value add for our site folks. What is the thing that you think people have to unlearn the most? There is a lot of unlearning that happens. I think the thing that people have to unlearn the most is this concept of as church folk, we are the ones who have all the answers, that we are the ones who know the best way, that that we have something to give to our community and to our neighbors. And I think as folks go through Imagine Hub, they learn the most from the neighbors that come in to their Imagine Hub site, and they realize how little they may know about the needs that are out there in their community, how little they may know about the economic situation that people are having to live in on a day-to-day basis. And most importantly, they learn 
how much they can grow from being in relationship with folks who are very different than them. Wow. So tell us a little bit more about experiments and how Imagine Hub helps people understand the full meaning of that. Well, our mantra in Imagine Hub is that people live their way into new ways of thinking. They don't think their ways into new ways of living. Okay. So we're all about experimenting as a way to live into new ways of thinking. So folks have an idea of a new ministry initiative that they want to launch. And for most people, they think in like really big, long-term, big project initiative. Let's establish a committee. Let's do a year-long planning, you know, and, and people get just mired down in the planning aspect of it. So in experimentation, you know, you're asking people to have an idea and just start doing something towards that idea. And it's kind of that ready, fire, aim. Like you may not know exactly what you're aiming for, but if you start doing something and you step out in faith and you're, you conquer your fear of failure and you realize that if it doesn't work exactly like you want it to work, then you know, usually you may be aiming in the wrong place. So God may be showing us that we want to aim in a little different direction or being willing, once you put that experiment out there, figuring out, well, who's showing up into the space? Who else is interested in the same thing? Who are some of the community partners who we could reach out to to engage in this? And all of a sudden, what what your little idea that you wanted to put out into the world through actually doing that experiment, it starts becoming a much bigger idea with a lot more stakeholders and people who can support your idea coming into the process with you. Yeah, I think one of the key things that you just highlighted is this capacity to have curiosity, to know that the thing that you're thinking about doing is just the starting point. And it's the doing of that and the curiosity and the wonderment of what are we going to learn in the process of this that is the real gold in the whole thing. So true, Beth. Absolutely. So what kind of assessment and experimentation do you encourage people to have after they run the experiment? Well, one of the one of the most difficult things that folks have figuring out before they do an experiment is how do I specify what outcomes, what impact we're actually trying to create here? And so people have an idea that they can think is a good idea and they just want to run with it. And so we really, during our four Ds and particularly the design and the do, we really work with our Imagine Hub sites on being very specific about the outcomes that they're creating. And sometimes Mm. they just may be, oh, we want to learn, you know, we want to learn who shows up. We want to learn. But really understanding who it is that you're hoping to make a difference in their lives and how are you going to make a difference through that experiment that you're doing. And if you can, like, if you can figure that out up front, well, first of all, you're going to have a much better learning process through your experiment. Because if you didn't state beforehand what you're trying to do, then it's really hard to figure out whether you were successful or not. And so so that's probably the most important step is developing those outcomes. And then when you get to the end of the experiment, having that really good cross-section debrief 
with how did this go? What went well? What did we learn? Who showed up? Who do we want to engage in kind of creating the next iteration of this experiment? And because that's the real beauty is when you do the first one and then you start having new people that influence what you do with the second one. And all of a sudden you've got the people that you were trying to help change, make a change or make a difference in their life who are influencing the what you do with your next experiment. Right. You just brought up something that I think might be important to clarify. You know, a lot of times when people start new ministries, they have a bunch of metrics and they have to work toward the metrics. And a lot of times those metrics are placed upon them from the hierarchy. Sure. When you say outcome, that is so much more life-giving to me than this concept of metric. So how would you distinguish metric from outcome? So I'm going to give a shout out to my colleague and dear friend, Reverend Dr. Gil Rendell, who has written a book called The Math of Mission. And if this is something that your audience is like struggling with, what is an outcome? How do I, how do I create this? And particularly for folks who are in the entrepreneurship and innovation space, Gil's book is excellent to help people really understand that. And so the metrics are about measuring the activities and they are important because the activities are what calls the outcome. And so it's a both and you want to have some metrics because you want to kind of establish those baselines of what we're hoping to achieve. But the outcomes help you determine that how that you're going to bring about that impact that you're looking for. And it really gets you into the headspace of the people that you're looking to be in ministry with versus just looking at it from your own perspective. When many times you don't have the same need that the person that you're looking to do the experiment with does. And so outcomes help help you kind of get into the, the lived experience and the headspace of the people that you're looking to be in ministry with. I love that. It's, it's really um, a way to orient, isn't it? And mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Okay. I want to move us to a conversation about how to fund these projects. Yeah. You know, all kinds of fresh expression ministry, out-of-the-box ministry. It's a total, totally different way of looking at, well, how do we fund this? How do we support this? And sustainability looks so different than what it does in our traditional churches. So can you help us a little bit with this, what you're discovering, what you're learning? Well, it's, yeah, it's the hugest challenge, right? And it's what mm-hmm. everybody everybody is challenged by. Here's what I've learned in my now 12-year journey as a nonprofit leader. And I'll share some of that. And then I'll share a little bit about what we've experienced with our Imagine Hub sites, okay? Okay, great. So as a nonprofit leader, first of all, very few people are trained in how to go about acquiring funding, how to write grants, how to create proposals. I had the great, you know, I I know that I was not put into this uh, position by accident because in my financial background, in my role as a chief financial officer in the corporate world for many years, I had to do cost benefit analysis. I had to do funding proposals. I had to do 
I, I learned the basics of that business aspect of financing new initiatives, new programs. And so that background for me was hugely helpful when I became a nonprofit executive director because a lot of it translated, but I was speaking to a very different audience. And so when you're <laughs> speaking to philanthropists, to you know, foundations, and, and particularly in the faith-based sector, the language that you use, the, the way that you talk about the impact that you're hoping to have, it's very different than in the business world. But the mechanics and the, and the structure of it is very similar. And so understanding how to effectively put together a good proposal is step number one. And there are all kinds of resources. There's books, there's webinars, there's tons of online that if you're somebody who has never had to write a financial proposal, you know, spend four to eight hours just teaching yourself how to do that and how to get it in the right format. Because I think probably about 50 to 75% of proposals that foundations get, get cast off just because folks don't understand how to put it into the format and, and talk about it like people are looking for. And so invest in yourself to kind of learn that skill if that's something that you're trying to figure out. And then the best way to get funding is to start with an experiment. Do something that you don't need a lot of money for, that you kind of already have the assets or you can cobble together and do something so that when you write that proposal, you've got, you're not just sharing your idea, but you've mm-hmm. got a concrete example of here's what we did and here's what we learned. And this is what we want to do now, but we need support. And, and, and it will also help you figure out how to put that budget together. Because if you haven't done that experiment, you may not know all the pieces that you might need for funding to actually pull your idea off. And so that's a really important part as well. I'll go back to the to the learning outcomes. Probably the most important section of any grant proposal or funding proposal is the outcomes. And people are really easy to do the metrics and to do the counts. Here's the number of people. Here's the number of programs we're going to do. But being able to really communicate effectively those outcomes and that impact, that's the most important piece that you can do for your funding proposal. And then just network like crazy, you know, go to go to where the foundations are, meet those foundations, attend their webinars, they'll tell you, here's what we're funding, here's what a successful proposal is going to look like. So doing that homework piece, so that you're in a position to to be successful with that grant. And particularly in the United Methodist Church, there are lots and lots of different organizations and entities that fund faith-based initiatives that are affiliated with the United Methodist Church. And so being someone who kind of looks for those opportunities, who scans when the grants are are, are going to come, come available, that's a really important part of the funding strategy. Well, how would you direct somebody to go about searching for what those funders would be in their particular area? Yeah. So you know, in, in North Carolina, for example, I am very, you know, attuned with the folks at our Western North Carolina conference and know what what committees are going to be granting money 
And also through their newsletters, they will constantly have announcements of new grant opportunities that are coming up. And so that for many folks is a great first place to start is with the the staff that are in your conference that can help you connect to those grant and funding opportunities. There are, you know, I spend a lot of time just Googling, you know, in, in different, because I'm looking for, with Imagine Hub, we're looking for funding that sits at the intersection of faith-based initiatives, missional innovation, and entrepreneurship. And so I will start Googling keywords to see, like, who's interested in the same thing that I'm interested in around a certain geographic location and so a lot of those foundations will come up because they've got those keywords in their search in their search engines. There are if you're if you're a nonprofit there are subscriptions that you can sign up for that will give you new grant opportunities that are coming out on a weekly basis. And so I I do a lot I've I've had some contract folks do some of that work for me in the past. But because of the specific things that we're doing with Imagine Hub, I ended up do I end up doing a lot of that work on my own. Wow. Okay, I I'm have a curiosity about how did this nonprofit that started in 2012 mm-hmm. around K through 12 education transform into this leadership development at the cross section of entrepreneurship and faith based initiatives. Why was that? Like, what is the driving deep why of boundless impact? And what do they see that maybe we don't see or or haven't articulated yet in the faith-based community? Such a great question, Beth. So when Boundless Impact was formed in 2012, we were formed through a planning grant to help administer this network of K-12 school districts called the North Carolina Global Schools Network, okay? And we did that for about two years, and then we rolled that initiative under North Carolina's Department of Public Instruction, where it still is very effective. At the time, the board chair of Boundless Impact was uh, United Methodist, as was I. And so we had our first planning retreat talking about, okay, once we, you know, kind of get this Global Schools Network, infiltrated into our, our, have that in North Carolina Department of Public Instruction, what's our what next? What are we dreaming about? And so thinking about the things that our board was interested in, thinking about the things that, that I was very interested in around breaking down boundaries, around inclusivity, around how the faith sector could become a catalyst in that kind of work. I also, at the time, happened to have a sister-in-law who was a district superintendent in the Western North Carolina Conference, Reverend Lori Beth Huffman. And she, as I was sharing some of the things we were dreaming about around these cross-boundary leadership development initiatives and, you know, learning how to work and lead across boundaries, Lori Beth said, I think our bishop is very interested in the same topic at the Western Mm. North Carolina Conference. This is Bishop Larry Goodpastor. And so in 2013, we were barely a year old. Lori Beth set up a meeting with Bishop Goodpastor, and I shared with him some of the things we were doing. And that created our first opportunity. We created a program called Flame Builders 
that was a leadership development program and spiritual formation program for young adult laity in the Western North Carolina Conference. And that was our first opportunity as Boundless Impact to partner with the Western North Carolina Conference. And since then, it has just been an amazing journey of lots of different doors opening and one thing we did leading to another thing. And the vast majority of the work that Boundless Impact does now is very much in partnership with the faith sector, but very intentional about bringing the business community and the education community, the philanthropy, government in in connection with what the faith-based sector does. Because, you know, we all know that folks from all those different sectors are sitting in our pews and I found the amazing, you know, just opportunity to use the things that I had learned in the business sector and and how that could be utilized for good in the faith sector. And so one of my passions is to see lay people who thought that, you know, their job was one thing and their faith life was another thing and and also allow them to see those things kind of merge together and how their gifts and experiences from their career are very much not only needed, but essential in the work that we're doing in innovative ministry in our communities. You spoke a little bit, but I just want to style in just a little bit more what your deep why is for, for your work. Why is it that you are doing this work? Well, first of all, to have the opportunity to spend kind of the last phase of my career in the nonprofit sector is something that I have desired and dreamed about since I was, you know, a young adult, I would say. And so being able to realize that dream has been wonderful. To be able to use the platform that Boundless Impact has to, when I say break down boundaries, I mean, when we started this work in 2012, there were certain kinds of boundaries, but when we sit here today in 2023, mm. these boundaries are only more evident. They are more impactful. They're more oppressive. They're more everything as we sit yeah. here in 2023. So the work that we do is, is in those gaps between the divides, right? And how do you create a program, an initiative, a ministry that helps sit in the middle of these gaps between the divides and create common outcomes, shared vision, shared goals, to realize that while folks at the extremes of these divisions talk the loudest, there are so, so, so many of us who want to be in the middle of those divides and impact our communities in a really helpful way to see everyone thrive, not just those of us who were privileged to be born into thriving, but to see everyone thrive. And so that's the piece that that drives me to do this work and that makes it so fulfilling. Well, Cindy, my dream is to have something like Boundless Impact all over the United States. (laughs) So I hope that there's some people today that listen to this interview and and want to get get in touch with you to say, how can we create something like this in our area as well? I would love that. And there are many, many nonprofits and faith-based communities doing amazing work across this country. And that's what inspires me. Mm. It is not just me. I can assure you that. Yeah. Well, how this, this 
this whole design process and um, the clarity that you have in this work, um, it's very powerful. So Cindy, tell us how someone could get in touch with you and find out more about the work. Yeah, if you just Google Imagine Hub, you can find out more about our network and you can connect there. There's forms for you to fill out. Certainly my email address is cthompson at boundlessimpact.org. You're welcome to just reach out directly to me. And we are always looking for folks who are interested in this work, who want to connect into what we're doing, because we can learn from you. So please reach out if this is something that you would like to explore more. And Cindy, give us one more time the book by Gil Rendell that you suggest people get. Sure. It's called The Math of Mission. The Math of Mission. Thank you so much. By Gil, G-I-L, Rendell, R-E-N-D-L-E. Are there any other resources that you would suggest? Oh, geez. <laughs> my, I, I am an avid nonprofit. My friends tell me I'm the most boring reader ever because all my <laughs> books are nonprofit books. I've, I've got several of them sitting in front of me, but it, would it be okay for me to just send you a list? Is that okay? And a follow-up? Yes, and I'll put it in the show notes. I will put it in the show notes. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. And that way they'll have the links and so forth, because there are some wonderful books that I have learned from. Beautiful. Cindy, I always ask my guests to provide a blessing. For people that are listening, I always believe that folks who find this podcast and listen to it, it's like the Spirit is leading them here for this particular conversation. And so will you offer a blessing to folks who might have the deep yearning to imagine a new way of being church to meet that gap in the divide? Take us out with a blessing. Of course, I will be happy to. Our Lord and Creator, we give thanks that you have created us in your image to be creative and innovative in how we grow your kingdom here on earth. Lord, help us to steward all of the blessings that you have graced upon us for your purpose, to serve those who need it most, realizing that through this service, we will receive what we need most. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Great to be with you today, Beth. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.